You're listening to The Encounter Podcast, featuring the latest messages and teachings by David Diga Hernandez. Don't forget to subscribe. The Encounter Podcast, encounter the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is what makes the difference. The anointing brings healing, deliverance, breakthrough, revelation, and so much more. And God has entrusted this mighty power to you, his child. I believe the anointing of the Holy Spirit has been deposited in every single believer. What is the anointing? Simply put, the anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. The anointing is how God works in the earth today. The anointing is what God has placed on and in the believer. It's how God carries healing, deliverance, refreshing, breakthrough, miracles through vessels like you to others around you. Now, in the Old Testament, there was a ceremony that was performed whenever God was setting someone or something aside for his purposes. The word anoint means to smear or to rub. And so we see an example of this found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. This is Samuel the prophet anointing David to be king. He had, bought, he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Now, the anointing ceremony that David underwent was not just symbolic in nature. There was a spiritual significance behind what had just occurred. God decided to reject Saul as king. And in his place, God was raising David. Now, David did not ascend to the throne, if you will, until some time after this, but he had already been marked and set aside by the Lord, just like you have been marked and set aside by the Lord. You, as a born-again believer, have the Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit is not a reward for being an elite spiritual Christian. The Holy Spirit is the one in you who makes you spiritual. So God has deposited something in you. God has deposited his miracle working power in you. God has deposited divine authority. God has deposited miracles within you. And by his will and word, as we obey him, we begin to see these various different manifestations take place in our lives and affecting those around us. When the oil was poured out on David, it represented a divine marking. God was as we said, smearing or rubbing that, that, that responsibility, that oil on him saying, this is my vessel. This is one whom I've set aside for me. So it's a setting apart. It's something that makes you distinct. It's something that brings you out from the crowd. This, by the way, is why you might find it difficult to fit in with others. This, by the way, is why you might find it difficult to find a category under which you can fall. This is why others might misunderstand you. This is why some things you do or don't do just don't make sense to those around you. Why? Because God has set you aside. And the greater the responsibility of the anointing on your life, the greater the consecration, the more specific the setting aside. Now, I want to make sure I explain that correctly because all of us have the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit residing in us. Romans 8, 11 makes it clear the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. But when I talk about degrees of the anointing, I'm not saying that God deposits more of the Holy Spirit in some believers and not in others. 
I'm saying that some believers respond in obedience more frequently and to greater depths than other believers. In other words, God has placed the deposit in all of us, but not all of us equally make use of that which God has deposited. Still, he desires that you be set apart. He desires that you be consecrated. He desires that you be different. Listen, if you want to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to fit in. And that's just the fact of the matter. You're going to be overlooked. You're going to be seen as weird. You're going to be seen as overboard. The things you do may be seen as too much. And the things you don't do, maybe people might label you as judgmental for not participating in certain things or not watching certain things or not listening to certain things or not going to certain places. Why? Because the Lord has set you apart. He's anointed you, consecrated you, and he has marked you distinctly saying, this is a vessel I want to use. That's what happens. His essence, his nature becomes something that affects us in our everyday lives. That's that smearing of the divine essence of God, the anointing. It's a sanctification. There's a purification that takes place. Whenever someone was anointed, they were said to be sanctified. And this means that God begins to clean you up. God begins to challenge you in areas that you need to be challenged. And here's the reality. The more you begin to respond to the anointing of the Holy Spirit within your life, the more God will challenge you on. The more you want God to use you, the more he will challenge you. The greater the level of the anointing, the greater the level of the consecration and sanctification. This is why I say that when you become born again, you may lose some unsaved friends, some ungodly friends. But when you begin to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you begin to lose some lukewarm Christian friends too. Why? Because you're going to higher places and deeper depths. And this is not something that we say in a manner that is condescending, where we imagine ourselves to be better than others. Why? Because God has given everyone this invitation. At least he has given this invitation to all believers. But as you begin to trust and obey and surrender and sacrifice and yield and allow the hand of God to mold you, you will begin to make room for the influence of the spirit in your life. The anointing sets you apart. The anointing sanctifies you. The anointing cleans you up. The anointing calls you to a purpose. In other words, God says, this is a tool. This is a vessel that I have set aside and cleaned up unto a specific purpose. So he doesn't just set you aside to make you feel isolated and weird. He doesn't just set you aside to say, well, that's where you're going to be alone. He sets you aside and he cleans you up and he challenges you and he prunes you in order that he might use you as a specific tool in his hand unto a purpose. I remember praying. I was probably 12, 11, 12 years old. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I want you to use my life. I want to be a vessel in your hands. I want you to use me in whatever way you see fit. And I want to see bondages broken. I want to see people healed. I want to see those who are struggling with severe mental trouble, completely set free in the name of Jesus. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, and this is the way I prayed. I'm not saying that uh, this by any means is a new framework of theology that I'm giving you, but this is what I prayed. So see my heart behind it. I said, Lord, I want you to take that bottle of anointing oil that you have for me, whatever you've set aside for me. And I want you to pour that anointing on my life every day last drop. That's what I said to him. I said, don't leave even a drop in that bottle. 
Everything you have for me, everything you've purposed for me, I want you to pour that anointing out on me every last drop. I don't want to be the same as everyone else. Lord, I, I want to walk in that anointing. I want to, I want to steward the anointing of the precious Holy Spirit in such a way that not only does it affect me, that personal transformation, but there's that relational transformation where the people around me are impacted by that anointing. And then I said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm asking that in the seasons where things get tough, because here's the reality. I had always heard stories from other ministers about how difficult ministry can be. And to be honest with you, I was a bit skeptical. I thought they were exaggerating or I thought that they were being a little bit dramatic or I thought that they were just trying to get people to feel sorry for them or they wanted to be applauded and looked at as stronger than they actually were. But as I began to continue in ministry, I found they were not lying. They were not exaggerating. They were not pretending. They were not being dramatic. The pressure and the weight of ministry if you are not centered on Christ, will destroy your mind, will destroy your emotions, will destroy you. It can destroy, that. not the, the anointing itself, but the way you respond to those responsibilities can be destructive to your life, to your, to your relationships, your friendships, your family, your everything. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I've heard of these trials that come. And I've heard of, the fact that things can become difficult when we get into ministry. Oh, I could go. I don't want, I don't want to be a complainer, but I just want to be realistic. There, there's so much that comes against you. Um, take, take, for example, the people who slander you. Take, for example, the people who misunderstand, the people around you who you love misunderstand you. People don't always get the way you are. Um, the, the, the heaviness of the responsibility of stewarding the mysteries of heaven and then there's the emotional and the mental attacks of the enemy, the way he strategizes against you. And you know, there, there's just the reality to it. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, when those trials come, because I hear that they will, when those issues arise, I want you to remind me about this time right here. And I want you to remind me about the time that I asked you for every last drop. Because when you ask for increase in the anointing, Lord, help me to minister this. When you ask for increase in the anointing, what you're really asking for is an increase in your character. Because the anointing that God will place upon you is directly proportionate to the character of Christ within you. The greater the purity within, the greater the power upon. Now, I understand that sometimes hypocrites walk in power. That's a different message for a different time. There's an explanation for that. We can look at Matthew chapter 7. But, but right now I'm talking about those who are truly walking with the Lord. The greater the power upon you, the greater the purity needs to be within you. Otherwise, it will destroy you. Otherwise, it will, it will just affect you in negative ways. Why? Because the anointing comes with responsibilities. The power of God isn't just for show or for status or so that you can be celebrated or looked to as spiritual or looked to as someone who is great and who has all the answers. No, when you walk in the anointing, my friend, there's a death to self. Th things in you have to be crushed. You know, that's how they, they, they got the oil for the anointing 
is they would crush olives and out of that olive would come oil. But here's the thing, they only crushed the olive because oil was within there in the first place. Pressures don't produce the oil, pressures reveal the oil. Pressures don't put things in you, pressures reveal what's in you. And if you go under pressure and you're walking with the Lord, that pressure will yield oil. It will yield power. And by the way, before those olives could be crushed, they had to be shaken from the tree. And this is what the Lord does. He shakes you from complacency and familiarity. He shakes you from dependency upon the systems of this world. He shakes you from that which you rely upon outside of him, and then he crushes you. Salvation is free, but the anointing will cost you everything. You say, how can that be? I thought every believer has the anointing. Yes, what I'm saying is to walk in that which God has given you will cost you everything. So that's what I prayed. I said, Lord, every last drop. I want every last drop. Don't leave anything out. And I could sense almost in the spirit as if the Holy Spirit was asking, are you sure? Now he knows, but, but a challenge to me. I said, yes, Lord, this is what I want. I think of how Elijah, when he threw his mantle across Elisha, or his cloak across Elisha, and then he says, go and think about what I've done to you. In other words, consider the profound implications of what just occurred here. And so that's what I said. I said, Lord, every last drop, I, I want the kind of anointing on my life that can break even the most stubborn bondages. Like where people who've been struggling for 10, 20, 30 years with mental anguish and can't get free. I, I want the kind of anointing Lord, that is of you that can break that. That's the kind of flow of power I want through my life. But if you want that, there's going to be crushing. There's going to be sacrifice. And it's, it's, it's isolating, I'll tell you that right now. It can be so isolating because, because remember when Moses went up to the mountaintop, the Lord said, leave the others at the base of the mountain. There are certain realms in the anointing that when you begin to go there, you will sense isolation. And this isn't a lifestyle. We ought not to live isolated lives. That's not what I'm talking about. But in the sense that really nobody understands the complexities of the struggles of those who are walking with the Lord in that way. And that part can be isolating. But you know, in seasons where I say, Lord, I don't know. I don't know how... I just can't see beyond this this situation because there's situations that arise where you go, how how does this get better? How does how how do you how do you so to speak go off into the sunset never to look back at this problem? Because some things just don't seem like they're ever going to move. They always seem like they're going to be ever before you. And sometimes when you face those things, you can say, Lord, what what is going on? And in moments like that. Yes, the Holy Spirit reminds me of the Word. Yes, the Holy Spirit reminds me that He's with me. But every so often, the Holy Spirit will remind me of the prayers of a 12-year-old boy who said, Lord, when the pressures of life become too difficult to bear, and when I feel like I don't have the strength to carry that which you've given me to carry, remind me of the time when that 12-year-old boy asked for the anointing every last drop. And so when you see that smearing happen in your life, remember first the oil is crushed or it's shaken from the tree, then it's crushed and then it produces 
there's that setting apart for a purpose, sanctification, a backing with divine authority. Because those who walked in the anointing in, in times past and today, they, they weren't walking in their own strength. To be anointed meant that God put his mark on you and said, I'm backing this one. This is the one I'm standing behind. Now in the Old Testament, this ceremony was used in many different instances. For example, kings were anointed. It's 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 and 13. Prophets were anointed. That's 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16. Priests were anointed. That's Exodus chapter 28, verse 41. Special holy items and places such as altars in the tabernacle were anointed. Exodus chapter 29, verse 36. When that oil was smeared on those objects or on those people, they were understood to be holy, set apart, consecrated. Now, that is the Old Testament ceremony, which again, it wasn't just symbolic then. It had spiritual implications as well because, because of the corresponding work of the Holy Spirit during those ceremonies. So it's not as if the oil itself is what had the power, but it's what God backed during those ceremonies. Those ceremonies corresponded with what God was doing in the Spirit. They didn't necessarily cause what God was doing in the Spirit. So in the Old Testament we see the shadow. In the New Testament, we see the substance. Now, in the New Testament, we still see instructions for the use of oil. Uh, we see one instance in the book of Mark here where oil was used, and then we see in the book of James where we are instructed to use the oil. I'll read these to you in Mark 6, 13. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. James 5, 15 says, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So why does this work? Is it that the anointing itself carries this power unto itself? No. Um, I do believe in using oil. I believe in prayer cloths. I believe in um, you know, if you pray over a bottle of oil and you send it off, that can have some effect. There's biblical grounds uh, to believe such things. Acts 19, 12, when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. I'm not saying that this is necessarily instructive in that the Bible is telling us to go and do this, but what we do see here is a biblical principle that gives us the framework for these types of beliefs. And that framework is simply that there is a tangible quality to the anointing of the Holy Spirit, meaning it can manifest in the physical material world almost like a substance. Now, this doesn't mean that our faith is in objects or that this is something that we always should do as a practice or that if we don't do these things that no miracle will happen. I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying there's biblical grounds for us to exercise our faith in this way are we to be led by the Holy Spirit? So, um, or were we to be led by the Holy Spirit to do such things? So you can pray for oil and send it. Now, if somebody's praying for the oil and selling it and they're saying they're selling power, that's a whole different thing. Or maybe they're not selling the oil, but they're selling a membership access to the oil. There's workarounds for that and it's still uh, manipulative in some sense. Um, but, you know, 
uh, and there are some companies, for example, that that sell oil itself. That's not a sin to sell oil. But if you're selling it and saying, I'm selling the power behind that oil, uh, then there's an issue there. But the simple point that I'm making here is that oil and the use of oil isn't necessarily always entirely symbolic. There can be some application for the use of oil today. Though we know our faith is not in the oil, if the Holy Spirit should lead you to pray in that way, then that's something that's perfectly legitimate and, and aligns with at least some basic biblical framework. Uh, but that still, I think, is somewhat representative of what we would call the shadow of the anointing. But the substance, the substance, that's what we see in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Old Testament shadow, the ceremony of the anointing, the smearing of the oil, New Testament substance. Watch this now. The New Testament substance, we don't have oil poured out of us necessarily, though again, there's that, ex there's that exception that I just gave. We instead have poured out upon us the anointing, which is the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So he rubbed him or he, he smeared his essence on him with the Holy Spirit. Not to say, and please hear me clearly, I am not saying that Jesus wasn't God. From the time before he was born, eternity passed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's John 1, 1. The, whole, the, 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 the Son has always been God, okay? And, and the Son was God from before times past, when he was born, when he was undergoing crucifixion, when he died on the cross, when he rose from the dead, when he's seated at God's right hand. There never was a time, there never will be a time that Jesus is not God or the Word is not God. But still, there's this partnership that Jesus had with the Holy Spirit while he was here upon the earth. And that partnership gave to us an example of how God desires to work through human nature here in the earthly realm. And so we see that there's this partnership with the Holy Spirit. There's this substance of power that comes upon a life when that individual walks with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Holy Spirit coming upon me is that smearing, is that anointing. Again, this doesn't mean that we're completely done with the ceremonial, somewhat symbolic use of oil. There's still power in that, in that we exercise our faith in that way in response to the word. But primarily we carry this power by the Holy Spirit. And even when we pray over oil, that's led by the Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit when we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is that power upon our lives. Now, it's important here to note that the anointing is not charisma. Sometimes we look at people who are gifted. They have a strong personality. They're well-spoken. And we may confuse that for the anointing. I've seen plenty of TED Talks with people who are well-spoken, but there's no anointing. And I've seen plenty of preachers who maybe aren't the most eloquent, but when they speak, there's this substance of power that rests upon their words. And you can sense it. You can feel it even as they talk. But it's not just good preaching, nor is it, as I said, a personality. It's God's power. And so the Holy Spirit working in us, 
begins to produce this kind of result in our life. The anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say something for the sake of clarification. And I want to say this carefully because I don't want you to think that we ought to um, demonize or criticize people who use this sort of terminology. I think that sometimes terminology can be helpful because a specific terminology can help us to clearly communicate what we're talking about. But we have to be careful with the way that we use terminology with the things of God because sometimes it can cause confusion or get us to think in a certain way that is not necessarily aligned with Scripture. I'll tell you what I mean. We say things like, oh, that's a healing anointing. That's a deliverance anointing. That's a prophetic anointing. Or that's a miracle anointing. Or that's a finance anointing. Or that person has an anointing for good marriages. That person has an anointing for miracles. And while we understand that the anointing has various different facets of working, and there's nothing wrong with this type of terminology, because um, sometimes when you say healing anointing, you simply mean when the anointing is bringing healing. But there's only one anointing, and that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And many of us imagine that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is like a collection. You know, we have to go through all these different items. Did you get the deliverance anointing? I got the deliverance anointing, the healing anointing, and the prophetic anointing, but I'm still believing for the miracle anointing and for the apostolic anointing. And I understand there's different offices and not everyone is called to, very, to every office, but I'm talking about the basic functions of the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll say you have a deliverance anointing, that person has a healing anointing, that person has a miracle anointing, that person, you know, and so forth, but it's one anointing. It's one anointing that empowers us all unto our callings. I'll give you an example of what I mean. It's like gasoline that fuels many different vehicles. Now, there are many different types of vehicles. Some people prefer the fuel-efficient vehicle uh, that maybe uses a, a hybrid technology that allows for use of the gasoline and electric power. Some people like big trucks so they can carry things around and go fast on the roads, and that's perfectly fine if that's what they want to do. But that truck eats up more gasoline. And then there are others who just need maybe a family van because their goal for transportation is different than the person who has the truck or who has the hybrid, and so on and so forth. And there are people who like the sports car. All of these vehicles, and I'm aware there are electric uh, vehicles, there are different types of vehicles. Now, the gasoline... And the fuel efficiency is different per vehicle. Some cars are meant to carry more weight. Other cars are meant to go faster. Other cars are meant to go longer. Some cars are meant to be safer. And so when you look at the various different types of vehicles, you begin to see that that one source of power, the gasoline, can have this effect depending upon who is using or what vehicle is making use of that gasoline in the same way. We all have different callings. Some of us, maybe God has graced us more toward teaching. Some of us, maybe God's given us a heart to pray for the sick. And this is not to say that these functions are limited to just a select few uh, group of believers. This is simply to say that some of us have different areas of focused grace. And so when the anointing begins to flow in your life, even though it's the same power, it may look a little bit different than on someone else's life, but it's still the power of the Holy Spirit. So there are many unique gifts and ministries, but only one anointing. You don't have to go collecting all these different anointings 
and go and receive prayer to receive all these different types of anointings from different people. There's one anointing. And when you begin to walk in obedience to God and surrender to the Holy Spirit, that anointing kicks into gear in your life. Where the power of God that, placed on, that God placed on you now begins to affect you and those around you simply by surrendering, trusting, and obeying. It's one anointing. And that anointing will fuel you for your calling. That anointing will empower you unto your purpose. In Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, the scripture says this, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me, watch this now, to bring good news to the poor. That's preaching. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. That's deliverance. That the blind will see. That's healing. That the oppressed will be set free. That's also deliverance. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's blessing and favor. This is what the anointing brings. The anointing empowers you to declare the word. Now, this works for everyone, from the preacher in the pulpit to the Christian in the church pew. Because even the Christian in the church pew has a job at which they work, has a school possibly that they attend, has a family that loves them, has a group of friends that maybe don't know the Lord. All of us are called to preach. It just depends upon what we've been assigned to and where that preaching is to take place. Some more public than others, like uh, deacons and church leaders and pastors. They have a stricter judgment on them because their responsibilities are heavier. But every believer is called to preach. Every believer should be ministering deliverance. And when I say deliverance, I don't just mean exorcism. Yes, casting out demons is a part of deliverance ministry. But there's so much more to deliverance ministry. It's ministering freedom to Christians too, who need freedom from strongholds and addictions and torment and deception and temptation. There's ministering healing, and it's not just physical healing. It's also inner healing. There's freedom in general that needs to be ministered, ministry of blessing and favor. We carry this in our lives through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I remember being a member in a youth ministry. And there was this girl in that youth group who was just going through a difficult time. You ever watch someone's life from afar and one thing after another, after another, after another just hits them. And you can see even from the outside looking in, this person's going through it. And you, you think like they can't even catch their breath. Like it doesn't seem like they can catch a break. So this young girl was a part of our friend group growing up in church. She had, you know, grown up with us in Sunday school and so forth. But I could see the attack on her life. It was, it was just watching her go through it, her and her family just one thing after another. Now, here's the thing. She had been to all the same revival meetings that we had been to as, as teenagers. She went to all the prayer retreats. She went to all the youth retreats. She was a part of all the prophetic services. She was, she was in all the prayer lines we were in. She heard all the good preaching we heard. But even after all of that, you could see upon her like this, just wait, like this oppression, just this darkness that hovered about her, not saying she was in sin, but just this attack on her. You know, you could see people carrying that stuff sometimes. You can even feel it on them. And 
I remember saying to the Lord as I was scanning the room during worship, I watched her. She's just standing there, just kind of, you could see it, just cynicism, doubt, just cold, this cold heart, just kind of like just, Lord, what's next? What, what, how am I going to get out of this? And I remember looking at her and I said, Lord, I want the, I want the kind of anointing on my life that, that even that kind of bondage can be broken. Like cynicism, deep rooted, cold, stubborn, hard hearts. And I, again, I'm not saying she was rebellious per se, but just the trial after trial after trial had just, you could see that weight. I said, Lord, I want the kind of anointing that can break even that stubborn type of bondage. And I know you want that too. How do you receive that? It's very simple. The scripture's clear. There are no secrets. Let God process you. Trust and obey. Walk with him. Live right. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Be the light that God has called you to be. And you'll see that anointing increase from day to day. You have received an anointing from the Holy Spirit. And I pray you steward that precious power upon your life. Father, I thank you for each one receiving this word. And I ask you, precious Lord, help us to be aware of the heavy responsibility with which we have been entrusted. Teach us, Lord, to walk in that anointing as only you can. And Father, I pray today that there would be an increase in the measure of power in which we operate. Greater healings, greater deliverances, greater miracles. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Support the podcast by becoming a monthly supporter or making a one-time donation now. To give, just go to davidhernandezministries.com slash donate. Until next time, remember, nothing is impossible with God.